Hi, I'm Chud X. And I'm Lanny. And this is The World As It Is Today. Hey, we're back. And episode 32, I think. I should probably start looking before we start recording from yep. now on. I'm lost on the on the episode numbers. I'll get it straightened out again. Oh, it's 32 because I put the number in front of the title last time to see if you would notice, but oh, you haven't said anything yet. I think I did notice. Did I do it wrong? I think, yeah, you definitely did it wrong, but <laughs> I'm not sure if I noticed or not, so. Okay, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I can edit it. Um, but yes, thank you for joining us again for another episode of The World As It Is Today. Um, we just are here to tell you that we have a guest we have Matt Pierce from Granite State Spice Blends. What an awesome dude. I was so bummed. I missed, I've missed at least one, if not a couple opportunities to hang out with him on, on various podcasts. And um, I, every time it's it's been like a miscommunication or something that's gotten in the way. And I've been like super bummed because I've listened to this dude in places like um, uh, Macroaggressions with Char- Charlie Robinson. What an amazing interview that is. If you guys, are, if anybody's listening to this and they haven't listened to him on Macro Aggressions with Charlie Robinson, I, I highly recommend go back and listen to that because he gets into, I love what we talk about on this, but he talks about some really cool, like deep state shit on with super in, important stuff about lab grown meat and the food industry and yeah. the way that's trending and which, uh, which actors are involved. And, um, I'll link to that actually in the show notes. Yeah, you should. Cause I'm, I might put that if, if there were awards, I might say that was one of the, it, that would be in the running for the best podcast episode of 2022. It was, it was really, really, really freaking good. good. And so, um, yeah, we have, um, Matt here, he goes by Chef Matt Pierce, I think, uh, online. I'll make sure to link to his Twitter and his Instagram, too. But he's got a spice company. You can get his stuff from granitestatespiceblends.com. And he sent us some stuff uh, earlier when he took my first uh, online fermentation workshop, and it's phenomenal. So check out his support a small, freedom-minded company, family-owned out of New Hampshire and get some really cool fire roasted spice blends, which make them unique and exciting and much better than the shit you can get on the store. That's been on the so shelf. So much better than anything on a shelf. Yep. So, um, with this, I will just let him speak for himself cause he's really awesome. I doubt this will be the last thing we do with him because yeah. I see some kind of collaboration, um, in our future for sure. We're in the same world and we have similar interests. I mean, you know, uh, as we do at the beginning of this, we talk about working in kitchens, and that's that's like a huge level of uh, of um, I don't know. I want to say camaraderie, but is that a communist term? <laughs> I don't know. Probably yeah, comrade, probably comrade, yeah. comrade. <laughs> but you know, he definitely is on the level because he's also a married dude with kids, and he's thoughtful about how he parents, and he's growing stuff on his property. It's like there's a lot that lines up with us and them. And I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's um, another reason that makes me feel good that I finally, we finally decided to jump online in 2021 and, and, and get rid of our zoom ban that we had had. Put ourselves out there on this, uh, on this uh, internet that we're on. Yeah. So just a reminder, there is a um, workshop coming up on the 21st of August. This is a Sunday at 2 p.m. This is, again, getting started with fermentation for food preservation. Let's say that again. It's getting started with fermentation for food preservation. And this one is the beginner's getting started course. So if you don't know much about fermentation or you want to expand what you've done before and you want to do fermented vegetables, you want to... 
preserve your vegetables for long term, this is this is the one to take. And I'm just going to keep posting this again and again as long as it fills up. Yeah, you know, it's a, almost a day late and a dollar short on this one because that's coming up real soon. But this would be a really great gift for someone that if like if you know someone who might be kind of think that they might be in the future interested in something like this, but they just, you know, don't know where to start or whatever. If you were to, you know, just say, uh, it's hard to do when it's just a few days, but like a month ahead of time, if you tell them, Hey, you know, this Sunday at this time, you know, keep your calendar clear and you'll, you'll get to learn because it's the, it's such a great entry class. Yeah, it is. It is. And if I get a few people, I'm going to run it, but I, I don't have people signed up yet. I haven't pushed this one as hard. So if I don't feel, ha, feel like I have enough people, I might push it back a couple weeks. Oh, you're um, the one from the 21st? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You just don't have, usually by now I have at least a few people signed up and I'm, I feel good about it. But even if I get three people, I'll jump online with you guys and we'll Do hang have- out. Anyone signed up yet? Not yet. I mean, Ghost oh. from uh, yeah, Th- my Third, Third Eye. Eye podcast said that he was interested. Okay. Um, but, you know, he could be interested at a later time, too. Well, we should probably put that push out in the next few days. And yeah, if I'm just going to... If um, it doesn't work, then push it back by two weeks or yeah, something. for sure. The, and then and then that gift idea would become a, a plausible thing. Yeah, and I'll make sure you guys know it first. If you follow the world as it is today on Instagram or Greener Postures on Instagram, that's where I'll put that out, as well as Greener Postures on Twitter. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to be flexible with these because it is a busy time of year for everybody, including us. Yeah. So if you come to um, watch me ferment stuff in the kitchen on the 21st while I tell you about what I'm doing, it's going to be stuff from our garden that I would be doing anyway. So it's really <laughs> combining what I'm currently doing is preserving food. I'm um, doing a lot of canning right now too. So maybe I should get on that idea of, of inviting people into the kitchen to talk about canning. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are really interested in that, that are a little intimidated by it. I was happy to see Kyle from a uh, big dumb podcast just posted in the greener postures telegram group. Cause he's been to my workshop, mm-hmm. um, that he d- he didn't can't, he canned his own vegetables. He, oh hell yeah, dude, yeah. Kyle, he made shout out vinegar man. pickles and he canned them zucchini, I think. Uh-huh. And, um, who knows if they're going to be mushy or tasty when they're done, but he did but that. It's a step in the right direction you know it's like we're always saying a failure is 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 good because you learn something if he cans them and then he goes to open them and it's like these are disgusting well at least he went through the process and now he has something to refine as opposed to starting it next time and whether or not they are good the first time you make it the fact that you had food that you preserved like you can eat that you know Mm -hmm. it's not poison that's i mean that's just amazing it's amazing so i'm very excited for him um, I'm also excited about the stuff that I'm learning to can this year that I've never canned before doing more with the pressure canner, feeling less, um, you know, like I'm meticulous with that. Like I've been very careful and following directions just as I should be with the pressure canner. Now I'm starting to feel like I understand it and how it works and why I'm doing what I'm doing so that I can play with it a little more. And that feels very exciting. So I see this fall, me definitely making some soups and like canning it. So we have like convenient foods for the winter Mm -hmm. Um, rather than just, usually I stock our freezer pretty full, but like I talk about in this episode, our freezer is pretty full and we're going to be getting more meat in in the fall. And I want to just make sure we can have as much stuff shelf stable and ready to go as possible. Yeah. So if you're interested in any of the workshops, if you missed the fermented beverages workshop, if you missed the fermented condiments workshop, I do have the playbacks available. You just don't get that experience of being there and being able to ask questions, but you do get the booklet 
and the access to the Telegram group, which you can ask questions in. So, and if you're, if these things aren't for you and you don't really want to do the live thing that this, the, the playback might be a better option. Sure. So you can also sign up for the playback by going to greenerpostures.com slash sign up and, or just go to the main page and select sign up from the menu. And in there you can choose playback. So without further ado, anything else? No, I think this is good. I, I hope everyone really enjoys this because I, I really enjoyed talking about this. So. I did too. I did too, for sure. Okay, thanks everybody. All right, today we're here with Matt Pierce of Granite State's Spice Blends, which uh, you had a podcast, is that right, as well? I did. Yeah, we started a podcast, a buddy of mine, in November 2020. I think Black Friday we actually started it on. And uh, we, we were doing pretty good for a while, and we were into it. And then all the shenanigans started going down with, with you know, forcing jabs and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the guy I did it with, Eric, um, he ended up quitting his job. He was uh, working, working as a, a prison guard for the state of Massachusetts. And uh, he wow. said, see you later, guys. I'm not doing this. And he needed some time to get his you know, life back together and find some employment and all that. So priorities just took place and we, you know, we, we couldn't do it. And I still wanted to do something. So that's when I started the, the spice thing. So they kind of went hand in hand. Cool. What was the name of the podcast? It was called The Resistance Chronicle, and we still have our episodes up on YouTube. Uh, we were getting some good guests on, too. Um, you know, we had some some local free staters here that were, you know, kind of chiming in about the liberty movement in New Hampshire, and, and that was kind of the, the road we were taking was to kind of promote, you know, New Hampshire and, and, you know, everything that's kind of going on here and hoping people can bring that spirit back to their own, you know, towns and communities. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are you a lifelong uh, New Hampshire, New Hampshireite? <laughs> so I'm 43 years old now, and I first moved to the state when I was uh, 16. So I had okay. moved uh, kind of in between my my last year of of high school and you know finished high school here in New Hampshire. I went to UNH and you know failed miserably in a four year program. So I got my associate's degree and. Then kind of, you know, traveled up and down, you know, around Massachusetts, New Hampshire, down to Florida, back up the East Coast, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and uh, found found my path uh, uh, cooking kind of like I knew what I, you know, kind of like I, I, I knew that was the path that I was taking. Just wasn't sure where in, in that whole, you know, puzzle my piece was going to fit and uh, found it in institutional uh, cooking. So I did, you know, colleges and universities for a number of years. I worked uh, in the belly of the beast at Harvard for 10 years. And uh, now, now I travel around uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, uh, and we're, we're growing, trying to grow into Maine. Um, and we do actually, you know, government school food programs and we're going in there and trying to teach these lunch ladies, you know, how to take advantage of all of these programs that the, believe it or not, the government offers for like fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that. So you, um, did you ever do formal schooling for cooking? N- not officially schooling for cooking. So I went to university of New Hampshire. I enrolled in a program called um, uh, Food Service Management in the Thompson School of Applied Science. So what the Thompson School of Applied Science is, is within the university system of New Hampshire, they have this associate's degree program. Mm-hmm. So you got people that are going for like um, horticulture type um, 
you know, kind of kind of real world experience associates degree type of thing. Sure. Um, you got a, an equestrian program. You got uh, surveying. So when these people are out there looking at the roads with the tripods, and one person's looking through the little viewfinder and seeing, yeah. you know, how they can can widen the roads. Um, they had that program there, and a bunch of like you know re- real life stuff. Not you know these these ridiculous you know liberal arts majors that <laughs> you know all these all, all the normies are, are, mm-hmm. are registering for and going and just partying their asses off for four years and then stuck with you know a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and not knowing where they're going with their lives Crazy. you know mm-hmm. yeah it really is it really is and there's so many of them all over the place too and none of them are friggin taxed let that tell you something yeah, <laughs> you know they're coming they're coming after us with eighty-seven thousand new irs agents. i just was reading about that yeah. oh yeah and the colleges and universities and churches are all sitting there pretty like huh, we're not affected by this it's crazy <laughs> So, uh, so, so you got into food by, um, working in universities doing food. Did you, did you, have you had much experience in like restaurants and other types of places or has it mostly been in institutes like that? No, it started off in the restaurants, um, yeah. started off working, you know, here and there dishwasher all, there all the way up the ranks. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's, know, was, that's my first my first prerequisite for someone to be good in a kitchen is they need to have started as a yep. dishwasher. Got to start the dish pit for sure. A hundred percent. I have my fair share of broken dishes under my belt that I broke <laughs> on purpose because I didn't want to wash. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I've 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 worked in the food service industry on and off for for 25 years. And um, it's I, I've known a lot of different types of people who've worked in, in restaurants. And I have found that the ones that come from the culinary institutes and such like tend to be so much worse than the, than that rare dog that started as a, as, as a dishwasher and worked their way up going through multiple restaurants and doing it all that training on the job and just looking at something that someone else is doing and saying, I want to do that. Those people tend to just be like the most amazing that you can get in the kitchen. <clears throat> Whereas someone who's been through the schooling, they tend to be like, oh no, I don't do this or I don't do that. I'm above or, you know, I, I, I have a role that I'm going to fill and I'm not going to go outside of that. To this day, I still have no problem jumping in the dishroom. I yeah. call it my fortress of solitude. The mm-hmm. summer of 2020, when everything just kind of shut down, the company I work for still had assisted living facilities that we were doing the food service for and it was either take a job scrubbing pots in one of the big county nursing homes that also services the prison next door um or or get laid off and i'd rather be you know in in the in the pot room you know staying on the payroll and you know doing what i had to do none of the prisoners the prisoners would come over to wash the dishes for the night so they'd send three people over but they weren't sending anybody into the nursing homes you know regardless so I said, "All right, sign me up. Let's do it." And uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's that kind of it's that kind of hard work that makes all the other work make more sense, in my opinion. You know, if you don't if you don't understand the inner workings of the restaurant or the kitchen that you're in, then you you you're not going to be nearly as key of a player in there as the person who you know anybody anybody I've ever seen who there's a position there's a situation where we have to stop because there's no clean dishes. If they actually stop, then they're they're absolute trash to me. <laughs> you you get in the, you start washing dishes. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> you start washing dishes. If if yep. you know the system has failed on whatever levels that you're in that position, 
you know, you don't leave a customer waiting because I don't have a dishwasher. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You wouldn't do it in your own house. You just do the dishes no. if your dishwasher breaks, you know, or, or something happens or you got, you know, dishes piled up after a party or something like that. Yeah. You, you do what you need to do to get the job done. Basically. For sure. Yeah. Well, my, yeah. my favorite thing um, to look for in people when I, when I'm uh, working in a restaurant and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, help people move along in the place. It, uh, it's like, there's like an intellectual curiosity that I see in some people that I don't in others in a kitchen where they, they're some people it's a, they, they, they read a recipe and they can repeat it and not taste it. And they say, I did it right. And then there's the people who, who like really like food, who really like flavors, who really like cooking. And I, I like to pick up on those people to, to try and, you know, throw in more and more stuff at them to, to see how they build. And I think that's, uh, it's even like people who just like to understand how things work. Like when you tell someone to do something on the job, if they don't ask you why, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. then you're like, okay, it's that kind of an employee versus like when I was the production manager, if I was hiring a, a detailer or whatever at the body shop and they asked me why they needed to do something a certain way, then I knew that they had a chance because they would be thinking about the whole process. And then that's how you can improve on yourself. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's a big part of it too. In the kitchen. It's sad too, to see some of these, you know, managers of, of whatever it is, whether it's a body shop, a kitchen that see some of these people that are coming in at these lower entry level jobs and don't embrace that and want to build them up to where they are. They kind of just want someone there. So that their job is just kind of, you know, crossing the I's and dotting the T's and doing what they have to do to, to get through to survive. We need more people in the workforce in these, you know, middle management levels that are actually, you know, embracing these, these young people and teaching them, teaching them too how to, how to critically think, because that's a, that's a muscle that, yeah, you know, if you're not they're, using, they're it, not they're not getting not it from school. It's definitely not getting it from school, <laughs> and probably not no. from home in the typical home. Yeah, anymore. the way things are today. Yeah. So, so like a yeah. real critical mind. I mean, they're they're so valuable when you see them. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm looking for when I'm looking for that intellectual curiosity in the kitchen. You know, like anyone who who's really thinking about what they're doing. It's it's a it's it's a rare form now, and you know we got we got to look for it in every industry. It's not just a kitchen. <laughs> Uh, I just, I just get down with that. Cause I know that you've spent a lot of time in kitchens too. So it's, you know, but it's, it's everywhere in every facet of life. Yeah. And that, that critical thinking part, then it's, it's definitely not being taught in schools. And when the kids do like my kids go to the school down the street and we have a, you know, a really good school system here in Salem. And we, we sit around the dinner table every single night and we eat dinner and we talk about what, you know, what's happened in school and that's missing. Mm-hmm. That that's really missing, and that helps spark that critical thinking. But when those kids go into the schools, the, the kids like mine that are going to ask questions and and you know stick up for themselves and whatnot, some of the teachers don't like that too much, especially <laughs> no. some, yeah, so, more more so the older ones too. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. finding at least the stories that I hear from you know my kid, like you know playing with her her ball in the cafeteria with her glove on, and she plays softball and loves it, and she'll be throwing the ball into her mitt, and the teacher comes over and just says, "Give me that." And she says, why am I going to give it to you? And gave the teacher a fight and ended up winning and, and kept her mitt and kept her ball. And we asked her, Brooke, why didn't you give it to her? And she goes, because I know that if I gave it to her, I wasn't ever going to get that back. <laughs> yeah. just, so. And it's just okay for them to like hold you captive and steal from you. It's yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's crazy. Insane. It's crazy. So, so yeah, we, you, do you have two so, girls? Two girls. Yeah. Eight how, and ten. how eight and 10. Okay. Eight we have an eight year old yeah. boy and then a one and a half year, almost two year old. Nice. Yeah. Now tell me something. Yeah. And I tell this to people that have two kids. If you had 
the second one first. Would there have been a second one? Because my second one is bananas. She's off, <laughs> she's off the wall. She's she's the total opposite of me, right? I'm an introvert, and you know, I like to just kind of, you know, I'll do stuff like this. But like, as far as like parties and being around like tons of people and going out and stuff like that, not it's not you. my thing. Yeah, but for her, she can't shut up. She gets into everything, and it's awesome. Sometimes it gets a little annoying, but it's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I find that the first one and the second one, they're just two completely different. Oh, well, comparing it like, all together. Totally. But like ours is, again, almost we had a huge gap in between our kids. So our eight year old is almost nine and our, our baby is almost two. So we don't know him that well oh, yet, you right. know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's totally, he's a mellow baby. He's been a good baby. He's like, you know, easy to soothe and gets along well, but he's just getting to that where he's a little more aware that he can do things. And when it's not working out, like, because he can't figure it out, he's starting to get frustrated and just chuck himself on the floor and roll around. So it's like, we're just getting to that. We're going to start to see his personality a little more. Although I remember, uh, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but we used to, the canned answer when people would ask us if we're going to have more kids when we only had one for the first, at least couple of years, was always like, you know, we lucked out so hard with this one. Like he's such a good baby. He's so, you know, he's quiet. He's mellow. He's, he's, he's all the things that we want. Yeah. He was just a good baby uh, that we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to push for that second one because (laughs) it It was just kind of like that jokey canned answer that we'd throw (laughs) out all the time. I haven't really thought about that. Me neither. Yeah. But I would have said the same thing with number two, because he, he's just been a great baby. Yeah. And like the same thing with like people saying, you know, I had a good pregnancy and labor was good. It's like all, all of it was great. Same thing with him. So I, I can't imagine, but their, their personalities are very different. Even so different. this young, like there's um, our first is really just bold. He's just going to do stuff. He's just going to walk off the staircase the first time before he learns that he needs he, to step down. You know, he, he didn't crawl. He's, he stood up one day and started running full speed. <laughs> yeah. It know? was like, nice. And then our other guy is like, he could stand for a long time before he stepped and he like knew he was going to, you know, but he didn't like, he's way more cautious. He thinks things out a lot more. He's running to way fewer walls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's starting to hurt himself though. So he's, he's getting better. Awesome. Yeah. Fun stuff. Um, so yeah. So, um, so two daughters and how long have you been married? So we met in 2004 and we've been married since 2009. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. it's been, it's been a little bit. Yeah. 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 So you were married for a while before you had a kid then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We lived together for a while. Then we got married. Um, and then, yeah, we, we had the child after the, after the marriage. Cool. Old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah. such Truth a great way told. to go. Truth you know, that's kind of a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, man. I was going to say, truth be told, I was a little scared of my my Italian grandfather. He's, he's in his 90s now, very old school, and I, I just couldn't see, you know, knocking on the door and saying, hey, uh, you're going to be a great grandpa, and, you know, and not be the sort of traditional way. You yeah, know, do so. the wedding first. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's Italian, so we didn't have any grandpas left by the time I was around. But my my old Italian grandma, yeah, she very much. We got married in her yard just because it was easier oh, for nice. her to not have to yeah. go anywhere. And you know, we, yeah, yeah, we, we as well. We were we were together for a while. We lived together for a little while, and then we got married, and we still had a, another couple of years before we had our first son. Yeah. And I think that's such a great way to go, especially for like long lasting marriages, as opposed to these fly by night. You know. Uh, have, have a baby 
and get married at the same time and then, you know, get divorced <laughs> two, years, two later. years later yep. and then start it over with another baby with another person. You know, it's like, but if you, a, a lot of the times when I hear people who've, who've been married multiple times, there's, there's an aspect of that. Like they feel like they missed out on something, you know, say they got married and had a kid when they were 20. And they feel like they were robbed of their of their college years, you know, or something like that. They didn't get to party like a lot of other people. But when you ease yourself into a relationship for a long lasting one, like I think it's I think you have time to do all that partying and not have any regrets about not having been stupid, you know, but you get to be with that person through that. So it continues on as part of your life as opposed to like having hidden little chapters of your life or something like that. I feel like we talk about it a lot, but it's like, there's a lot of societal press pressure, um, for that idea of like having your youth stolen from you because of children Mm -hmm. or family. And I don't think that's necessarily true when you look, when you can look at what it is to have a family and a good relationship, it's like there, that that's fulfilling. You can still have fun. You know what I mean? But it's different. It's just different kind of fun. And it's actually better for you kind of fun. (laughs) Like when you're hanging out with kids. For me personally, there's no looking back whatsoever. We, Mm -hmm. we didn't do the traditional wedding and best man and groom party, bride party and all that. We found the cheapest town that we could find to get a marriage license. So Chelmsford, Massachusetts did it in 2009 for 35 bucks. It's probably up to about 50 bucks now. So if anyone's taking notes Um, (laughs) and then we found a justice of the peace and it was just me and her and that was it. And a few months later, um, so we got married in March and then a few months later in the summer, her parents had a little backyard gathering for us and we just had some of our you know closest friends there. And, yeah, that's and that great. was it. And yeah, no, no looking back, no regrets, nothing. Mm-hmm. It was, it was awesome. You know, so many people we know have dropped, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars on these elaborate, ridiculous weddings and they're not together anymore. I know. Yeah. Right. I, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine getting married to, to not be together for life. Like, I think that's a, a bad thing to imagine in the first place, but yeah, the idea that someone would spend, you know, uh, a life savings <laughs> on, on a, on a wedding and, or even, even if you didn't spend a lot, but to have hundreds of people, you know, yeah. like you, you know, just at a, at a bar or whatever, but you have, you know, you yeah. bring everybody into it. And then it's something that only lasts two years. It's like, Oh yeah. A, I couldn't, what a waste. The wedding idea was really hard for me. Like yeah. I was, I was set. We were going to get married. But then I felt tons and tons of pressure of like what a wedding was supposed to be. And like my mom wanted me to be doing this thing. And then our friends, you know, and like, I remember saying to somebody, or you did like, Oh, we're not going to do anything. Cause nobody wants to go to a wedding anyway. And like, people were like, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> I like weddings. Don't, don't you? I'm like, Oh no. Oh, so yeah. people were expecting. So we kept changing our plans, you know, to close, when we got closer and closer. Cause I was just like, so nervous of like, what am I doing? And I'm wearing a dress and people want to look at me. And like, I just didn't like any of it. So it, and it devolved into changing the date at the last minute. So we don't actually ever remember our anniversary. We just passed it. And his mom called me the next day and was like, Oh, happy anniversary. And we, neither of us had remembered at all, but like, cause we changed it the last second. I even have like a mug that has the wrong date on it for like yeah, a our, our toothbrush holder mug Yeah, has the oh, wrong, wedding date. <laughs> wrong wedding date. But I asked yeah, so my, my, I, the way I got out of it, I finally got excited to make little like invitations that said, you're not invited. And sent them out to everybody like an announcement. It was a joke. 
some people were really mad, but those, those are the people we didn't yeah, need to talk and we to just anymore. Did, we just invited them all to a dive bar. Was it so right just, before or right after? It was just after the just actual after. wedding at grandma's and before yeah. we, we left. So, so we town. sent everybody out an invitation and said, you're not invited. So we'll be at the horseshoe cafe at this time. Yeah. <laughs> we know? didn't tell the bar or anything. We just crashed it. And some people came <laughs> and we That's didn't even awesome. drink cause we were going to leave early the next morning, but mm-hmm. we ended up just leaving everybody there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the party going, and then we we're like, "All right, see, see you later." later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. great. And it's these non-traditional types of things like this that those those bonds between those people seem to be the strongest. Yeah, right. At least from from my perspective, anyway. You know, yeah, yeah it's just crazy people doing what they doing what they feel is right. You know, yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, uh, so your kids go to it's a public school, but it sounds like a pretty decent uh, situation. So we, We've been super involved with our kids' education right from the beginning, from from the daycare that we would send them to. Like my wife has a job with a hospital, and and she loves her job. And it's kind of weird that she loves her job, but she absolutely loves her job, and she loves the whole rigmarole of it. She does a lot of IT stuff with the hospital and gets like um, um, medical records kind of you know sorted in order into the electronic system and whatnot. And total total norm total normie just just loves it and since you know and since i've been working in kitchens and a lot of my hours would be very early we, we put our kids into a daycare situation um right right away right so it's it's, it's sort of it's sort of the opposite of, of what you guys are doing right now where we you know you're, you're doing the homeschooling and, and all that but we made it a point that at pick up and drop off we talk to the teachers we make sure we talk to the kids we make sure that we're eating dinner around that you know, table every night, talking and having those conversations, getting involved with the homework when all the COVID stuff happens and, and the lockdowns occurred and everyone was on Zoom. We were in the room while the kids were taking those classes, finding out what's going on. And you're going to get out of it. At least I find we're getting out of it what we're putting into it. So if we're putting the work in, the kids are going to get the, the work out. Plus, I really believe that that public schools are the number one place with a biggest assholes in the world go and these little kids are dickheads total total dickheads and i i really and they're from all you know varying you know backgrounds of families and whatnot and i really want my kids to to be there with them because i know that they're going to need to know how to deal with these people and to do it on their own without me or without my wife there and and it i i feel like it's gonna you know just set them set them up to be able to function within the matrix while being able to clock out from the matrix and you yeah, know be yeah, be with yeah. the family after so yeah, yeah you can't just send them there you can't just send them there and have that you have to have that, all that that foundation you're describing you know at home where you exactly. talk about reality yeah. and that's that's a lot of our thought process when we were trying to decide if our son was going to go to kindergarten or not was that like that's the only place you can go to like you know, get an idea of what it's actually going to be like, whether we like it or not. That's, that's what it is. When before, before homeschooling seemed like an option, when I hadn't really considered it yet, like for the first, you know, three or four years of his life, I just assumed I would send him to public school because we both went to government school. You know, we, we went through the system, like, and I, I probably said the exact words that are like cringe to me now of that. Well, I think it's good for him to go to, to government school so that he can be socialized. <laughs> and so he can learn how to, to deal with all this crap. But then I would add on, I would continue on and say that I would want to do what you're basically doing, which is 
I would know that I'm sending him off to this place where he'll learn how to do things he doesn't want to do and be around people he doesn't want to be around. And then when he comes home, that's when he'll do all the learning because <laughs> I know that he's not going to learn anything in that guy. I mean, uh, I, I didn't make it past eighth grade in school because I hated school. Like I, I've since, since I was in school, I've, I've preached against the particularly government school style teaching, but it's all that institutionalized teaching that I realize now I was, I've always been against because it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I'm not saying it doesn't work for just anybody, but it didn't work for me. And I wouldn't want to subject my own son to something that worked so terribly, not just not for me, but against me, it worked against me. You know, but I could see us thinking differently if our son had a different personality, Mm -hmm. but he just happens to be the way he, a lot like me when I was a kid and I had a hard time in school. He's got a loud mouth. He always wants to talk. He wants to be the leader. Like he's got, he, his, his learning is a conversation. He's not going to sit and listen. It's, and so we put him in preschool It was a daycare that turned into preschool and then pre-K. So he went when he was three, I think, is when we started him. When I went back to work, first it was part-time, then it became full-time. And he he did good until the pre-K. And then the pre-K was about preparing them for kindergarten. So it was a lot more uh, table work and sitting and lining up and doing things in order. And it was like, he was getting in trouble all the time. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff that we were listening to at the time that made us start to think about uh, how we didn't, maybe we didn't want to get into this. And I picked up Brian Kaplan's book, uh, the case against education, the case against education. And that just blew my mind in a way. It also just uh, validated everything I'd ever thought about school. Uh, it was it was very very self validating, <laughs> um, but it also it was just I was in this spot listening to all this Tom Woods, Michael Malice, the School Sucks podcast, all these people who were like speaking it, and Ron Paul, you know, like these these were all very much in my in in both of our lives right at that time. And then when I got that book and sat down and cracked it open, it was like okay. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't go forward thinking I'm going to send my son to school from my perspective. Yeah. it became a priority, but then now he's like going to be nine. Right. So we're, we're gearing towards third grade and um, we have decided to set him up in this learning center. So starting in September, he's going to go four days a week for like a full school day, like nine to three 30 to this, but it's called a learning center. They have a PMA. So it's like private and they won't have any mandate stuff. If that happens again, Um, we have a bunch of those in New Hampshire here. We got uh, one actually in where New Hampshire that's run by a free stater. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And they're teaching the kids gardening. They're teaching the kids, you know, self-defense in in some cases, if you want to take those classes and yeah. Yeah. So just just like awesome stuff. Yeah. So we're really excited because he really wants, he's really social much more than we are. So we want him to have as many opportunities to be around other people as possible. Um, But there's only so much running around that I can do in a day and do the things I want to do. And uh, like I said, he's more social than I am. So we thought this would be a good idea. And he's like, yeah, they're going to have sign language and theater and gardening and like, just like a long list of cool stuff. Like the Thursdays are just like, like foresty days where they go outside and they're for, like plant identification, foraging, building the fire, whittling, like really cool yeah. stuff. All, all the skills that the government schools should be teaching, right? 
Right. You know, and they they want these kids paying taxes once they're out of 12th grade in in, in the workforce. They're not teaching anybody how to how to how to fill out those those 10 1040s and and all the forms that you need to do. You know, looking at, you know, purchasing property should be, you know, one thing. Entrepreneurial skills should be another thing that they teach. But they're not doing any of that. And I don't know if I feel like, you know, should they be doing that? I I think a lot of that is is our job as parents to to do that. And and I think a lot of parents are, are, to be quite honest with you, lazy and and don't want to do it. You know, they're they're fine with their, you know, daily rut, coming home, kicking off the shoes, cracking open a beer and, and, uh, you know, vegging out on, on, you know, Netflix for, for, you know, six hours before it's time to finally hit the lights. Everyone says good night. And then you wake up the next morning and it's the same same dull routine, you know? Yeah. So So, uh, entrepreneurship, that reminds me, I've heard you say before that starting the spice company was really to show your daughters that you can just be a business person if you want to. Could you talk about how that started? Yeah. So, you know, we finished up with the podcast. We never finally said, okay, this is quits officially. But I started working on the business idea for for the the spice thing, and then the podcast just moved away, and then the spice thing picked up. And I would test these blends out in the house, and I'd go to the supermarket, and I'd just buy a little jar of you know paprika or a little jar of garlic, and I'd you know start mixing stuff up based on you know flavor profiles that I'm familiar with from you know foods that I've cooked in, in restaurants that I've cooked in. And my my ten year old was right there with me the whole time. And wanted to know everything about it. So there wasn't even anything like, hey, Brooke, I want to start a business and I want you to be involved with it. It all just happened naturally. And then, you know, the eight-year-old Leah, when she saw that and she saw, I don't know if it was because she saw me giving attention to Brooke or if it's because she wanted to be involved with it. She just, you know, hopped on on the train too. So now we go to farmer's markets, we set up the tent. I set up the table, I have everything laid out. And as soon as the first customer will walk up, Brooke will be like, hey, we're out of Salem, New Hampshire, and we fire roast all our spices. And she gives the whole spiel that I have. And I have the spiel that I give for, you know, new customers. So they know, you know, kind of what they're, you know, what they're buying before they say, holy crap, I can't believe I'm about to sink nine bucks into a, you know, two ounce bag of spice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she, she explains the whole, you know, the whole you know, kit and caboodle of, of what we do, how we do it. And, and it's pretty awesome to see that. And now today she came to me and she's been really into teas lately. She's like, I want to start making some teas and selling them on your table. I said, that sounds like a good idea because the spices and the teas will go hand in hand. So, of course, my eight-year-old's like, Dad, I want to sell painted rocks. I'm like, well, let's let's step on the brakes here and start with the, start with the teas first. So we're going to go grab a bunch of ingredients for teas. We're going to make up some teas and see you know see what we can do. We'll probably start off by giving some you know free samples at the at the table and seeing how people like them to kind of kind of gear where the you know where the customer's heads at and, and yeah. go from there. Yeah, tea yeah. blends. Yeah. That's a yeah. great idea. So, so it's just kind of builds and builds and builds and you know it's it's one thing after another and the next thing you know you got a whole family business so the way i explain it to people is my daughters label and stamp the bags so you see the little white label on there and then the handmade with love stamp they do all that me and my wife we we fill the bags and then i go out and pedal the powders That's and uh, awesome. yeah they show up at some point during the farmer's market to, to assist and, and help push the push the product too That's yeah, so it's pretty great. awesome so much fun yeah yeah. yeah, so much fun. I couldn't imagine doing anything without them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's such a good experience to have. And then that just gets their wheels turning. Like, even if what you're doing now wasn't their thing and they weren't fully involved, just seeing you do that, they know that that's a possibility. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, if they in the future want to start a painted rocks 
business. You know, it's, it's the same, it's the same concept, even if it doesn't pair well with spice and tea, you know, exactly. Uh, but, but there's, but there's, you know, room for, for other stuff within what you're doing, but then, yeah, it, I mean, eight and 10, they got, they got another at least 10 years of, of spending time with dad doing stuff. And then just think about where they're going to be at once they are at a point where they're going to start making and, and investing their own money into their own companies. It's like, it's, it's, you're, you're doing it right, man. Yeah, yeah great job. <laughs> and, and I'm really hoping it's not another eight to 10 years. I'm, I'm, I, I told my wife, I said, I would love it if they just stayed with us forever and maybe they found some you know great partner to be with and you know we can we're sitting on about an acre and a half here and we could easily add on to the house like could we add on like a like an in-law apartment or something like that or finish the basement and the other one can live down there it's my tribe man i want them i want them with me forever you know oh that's that's so great that's so true like i you know just like i was saying i was i was i imagined my son going to public school for a long time I also spent, I mean, even more time where I just like, I had this idea in my head that my son would grow up to a certain age, whatever that would be and leave for a while and go to big cities and, you know, experience life. Like, you know, similar to I did, you know, I did it young cause I ran away from home and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people get to 18 or so and they go out and they do other things. But I, my idea was I want to build such a great foundation that he'll come back after that, that he won't go and be done with his family. Like why well, I built this great foundation by then 2020 and since 2020, I mean, and really it didn't dawn on me until about a year ago, but it was like, Oh my gosh, I never want him to leave this property. <laughs> I don't want either of my, I mean, like how, how do I raise them now? Not to go out and want to come back, but to not want to go out, <laughs> don't, don't <wanna laughs> you know, leave. like, yeah. Uh, cause, cause that's, I mean, that's the dream now for, for sure. And for anyone, I think in, in our circles and our ways of thinking, it's like, man, the closer you can stay with family, the more valuable life is going to be for all, all people involved. And like, now I just hope he finds a, a lady that will want me to be the, the doula when they have their baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, this wouldn't work out if, if we were closer and our son and one of your daughters were to get together because you'd be wanting them to come to your place and we'd be wanting them to come to our place. <laughs> cause a family rift. We'd you know? have to make a compound. We'd have to move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Our own little compound. Yeah. yeah. Our own private Waco. <laughs> yeah. There is part of me that is kind of like seeing like a nine, eight, nine, 10 year old girl. And I'm like, kind of like hmm, arranged marriages, <laughs> just like their parents are cooler and freedom and stuff. They're, they're not yeah. jabbed. Like we, we could work with this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that, that, speaking of the not jab, that was another cool thing. Of the, so I, where I work in the government schools, it's so awesome that I work for a company that just absolutely held out till the very, very end when the Supreme Court made that decision. Mm-hmm. And it was finally like, all right, that's it. No jabs. And they were never pushing it, never, never brought it up to me, kind of let me do my own thing. And I stayed low and I kept my mouth shut about it because it was a pretty pretty controversial topic even around the water bubble or at the the office you have people walking around the office and say get vaccinated or i got vaccinated like the fucking i voted yeah 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 i'm already offended by the i voted sticker like next level what if if i what if i wore something that said fuck your vaccine you know (laughs) you get shit and and yeah they stayed so so true to 
to to their staff and what their you know individual wishes were and you know they, I think they they had to do some stuff like they offered like a raffle and a lottery and stuff like that for people that were handed in their passports and I really think that all came down from from the state so they did what they had to do to survive and stay in business and they never pressured any of us and and I I, I have the the best day job. Unfortunately, it keeps my kids in those government schools, but we're managing to make the, you know, the best of it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And then they can be, you know, there with their friends. And if you keep a good relationship with your kids, they talk to you about what they've been doing all day. Yes. It's like, I think like with me, with school, it was always a fight if we talked about it. Cause I would, you know, have a complaint and it would be immediately like, Oh, you know, can't you just get a, like, we don't have time for that. Just get along. Mm-hmm. And we didn't sit yeah. down at the table every night and have dinner as a family when I was growing up. You know, my dad wasn't home till till you, late. And I recently learned you don't have a di- you didn't have a dining room table. No, that was our last episode we talked about. I didn't. That's why I always say kitchen table because we just had a kitchen table. We'd like sit, you know, at the coffee table on the floor and like watch TV when we ate dinner. You know, not all at the same time. Mm. <laughs> Talking uh, too much truth there with the, di- with the no dining room table. All right, I bet we're back. Yeah, you are back. Yeah, it actually went out for like a split second. Oh, really? The shortest I've ever. Yeah, it's the shortest I've ever seen it go out. As soon as I put my hand up, it was it was frozen for like a millisecond, and then it came right back on. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't miss anything there. I was waiting for it. Yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, it's really important to have that time together and keep that connection and that the communication going either both directions, you know, with kids, and especially as they're getting older and into the teenage near teenage years when it's going to be no matter how good of a parent you are and what you do, there's going to be some, you know, pull away. There's going to be some pullback from, from the the way they've been in their family life. That's just part of like growing up. So I got to ask you, what, what does a typical day homeschooling your, your oldest look like? Like how, uh, how does that, how does that even work? Like, how do you bring yourself to the motivation and find the curriculum? Are you using like, like the Ron Paul type, type stuff that's out there or no we're very unconventional absolutely unschooling right is what you yeah, call it yeah, yeah 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 it's typically called unschooling or child-led learning so it's more like just hanging out and then we the structure is bedtime mealtime teeth brushing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. everything else that happens in the day is well i need to go to the grocery store today and i have to you know somebody's coming to buy eggs you know we're going to a friend's house And then anything that happens within that time that sparks interest in the kid, it's just about focusing on them enough that you can guide them through whatever lesson they find. You know what I mean? Like right now, not super into it because he's really into Minecraft and I'm not a fan (laughs) of that, but it's giving tons of opportunities for learning to, for reading and, and typing. So he's, he's like wanting to put some codes in and I don't understand it at all. And like, I'll try to help him search stuff. And it's just, all of that is, you know, how to communicate and, and reading and writing. And then like, say we, we, we did Agora's, like we had little markets here on our property and, Mm -hmm. um, we asked him what he wanted to do. And he said he wanted a lemonade stand. So that was like a, a three month long project planning his business, which we la- named child labor lemonade. And we had <laughs> a, a logo made and the stamps made. So awesome. he could like stamp all his cups. And we, and then it was math to figure out, you know, how much everything costs and how much he should charge and profit and, and, and investing his own money. So he got to feel that risk 
where yeah. he, he was actually kind of broke. And then he ran point. out of money and he had to understand how to get a loan so that we would give him some money and he would owe us first before any of the profit was his, you know? So it, that was like, that was great. And then. So, after- so that's a really big, great example of like a big thing right. that, that was, was a great learning experience. But like, for instance, today on a mundane, you know, whatever day, uh, he learned quite a bit about our septic system because uh, we've been we've been having some some plumbing issues, and so today I was uh, we're we're going to get our septic tank pumped, and so I just I cleaned up where the lids are, and you know was getting all of that ready, and there was you know ten questions about like how this all works, like what's what am I doing, what is this like, why are there three lids, you know, like all all these things. the The way I try to look at it is I bring him along with anything that he'll go along with me on as far as like homestead outdoor stuff that's you know my department so to speak uh and i try to talk to him about everything i'm doing if he'll if he'll tag along with me he's got his own chores he does but then you know like if he'll if he'll come with me when i'm when i'm doing whatever it is i'm doing i stop having internal thoughts and i start working everything out out loud with him or at him at least even if he's not that interested i'm doing it at him but if he's but if he's more interested, it starts becoming that we work these things out. You know, in the case of like a septic tank, if I didn't know where our septic tank was, he would have been with me trying to figure out where it is, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, well, it was pretty great. Actually, we had him on a barbecue at a friend's house a couple of weeks ago. You weren't there, but he was talking to one of our friends that's our age. And uh, he was, he was asking our son, you know, are you done with school for the summer or are you doing, are you doing homeschool stuff through the summer? And he's like, well, you know, I'm really like, I think I've moved past the, the school stuff. Cause really like all of life is learning. <laughs> it, was, it was just so thoughtful the way he said it, like grown up, it was really funny. Everybody got a kick out of it, but it was really, that's what it is. It's like, whatever, whatever he's really into, that's the motivation to learn all the different like things that need to be learned when you're that age, you know, reading, writing, math, all of that. You know, sometimes I'll just give him five bucks when we go to the grocery store and he can pick what he wants. He needs to not go over his budget. He gets, he rings his stuff up separately and has to get his change and communicate with the, the teller, you know, cash, cash, cashier. And like, it's just an opportunity for him to just know what it's like to be in society and work with, you know, deal with other people and, and budget your money and all of that. Like that's, we do that a lot too. And and then the thing that's hard about this for a lot of um, adults, for a lot of parents is you got to let go of needing to see the results, like, like structured school uh, curriculum. You see results every day. You have tests all the time. You have, you have things that show results, but we have to put our faith in this idea that he is learning and we don't, you know, force it on him when he, when it seems like he's not, because a lot of the time when it seems like he's not, he really is because we're taking him along on these, on these, these processes that we go through. So while it may, I might say one day, like just one day I was saying, yeah, he's not very good at math. He doesn't have, doesn't, doesn't do much math to the next day. I'm like saying, Oh, I can't believe his math skills are are so strong because he just hadn't worked any 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 math problems out for me. So I couldn't say whether or not he was. I just thought it was kind of an untouched subject because we don't really we talk don't really about do math. math. Yeah. But we do math all the time. And then all of a sudden, when I'm saying, hey, you know, go grab this many of that 
and he says, oh, okay, because we need seven. And it's like, oh, yeah, because he's he he's putting right that together. Like, yeah. you know, yep. and he's and, figuring it out. Uh, you know, he's uh, all the time. He'll he'll tell me the length of something and I'll say, how do you know that? And I'll say, well, because I know that this ladder is six feet and I know that, you know, this is, this is another four feet. So it has to be 10 feet. And it's like, bam, you know, he's not only getting it, but he's applying it when, when I do finally see the result, as opposed to when you have the curriculum, you see results all the time, but they're not applying it. Does that make any sense? You know, they're just working out a problem, not a real thing. Well, they're just doing memorization and, yeah. you know, what's, what's told to them because that's what's told to the teachers. And it just is a big, you know, ship ball rolling downhill. So, you know, it's, it's not gauging them with where they're at with actually understanding something. It's kind of gauging them with where they're at with memorizing something, yeah. you know, and being able to regurgitate what they heard instead of that critical thinking that we were talking about. So yeah, yeah keeping, keeping them around you and close to your side, man, that's awesome. That's, yeah. That's, it's uh it's it took a lot it was hard for me for like the first year at least and like i found this podcast called um the joy of unschooling i think living joyfully maybe that's what it's called but she is she has two kids that are grown and she had unschooled so her perspective of talking about this as something that's already happened and she's seen it through was really comforting because she described the things that I was going through being fearful that I was like damaging him. Cause I wasn't sitting down and teaching him to read or teaching him to write. And her kids are both very successful. And it was just that you, you meet them where they're all, where they are all the time and watch that joy spark and then help them follow that rabbit hole, you know? And so it's like really a lot of what you're showing them is just how to do research. And once he's old enough to do that on his own, I mean, this is really, it will take off. Um, but I mean, I'm not, I've never been opposed to say that he would jump into school at some point if he wanted to. Oh, absolutely. And so I kind of think like this learning center thing is going to work really well with this because they're kind of following a type unschooling type model there. So I know he's not going to be pinned to a chair and made to be feel felt, you know, dumb for being behind or whatever. Um, and he's going to then be able to get out and have more interaction with kids. And then what we do for school isn't any different than what we do all the time. So like when he comes home, it's the same as it ever was, you know, just helping him get excited about stuff. Keep him, keep him free range too. That's what I like to do with mine. Yeah. Let them go off and ride their bikes around the neighborhood and let them go. We have, uh, so we're on about an acre and a half, but I'd say there's probably about half an acre or so, maybe, maybe even more than that. It's just on a hill, giant pine trees. And I love seeing my kids going up there and picking up deer poop and, you know, yeah. getting involved with whatever they can get involved. But just before this podcast, my, my daughter, before it was getting dark, she's like, I want to go and you know explore in the woods a little. And I said, fine, just make sure you're wearing the shoes. Cause she was about not wearing shoes. Are you going to step in some poison ivy and you're going to have a pretty bad day? She goes, I won't. I know what it looks like. I'm sorry. Right, go ahead. And uh, two seconds later, I hear a yell, hey, dad, poison ivy's three leaves and pointy, right? <laughs> yeah, stay away from anything three leaves. So That's yeah, awesome. keeping, keeping them free range and exploring too. Sometimes, you know, not only from us is it good for them to learn, but it's good for them to just get out there and, and make mistakes and let them fall and 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 let them pick themselves up and let them know that you're still there to, to support them and to guide them. But 
they have to, you know, kind of take ownership, you know, and I think my daughter at 10 is right at that age where she's figuring out that she needs to, you know, take, take ownership and, yeah. and whatnot. So, Let them yeah. have the, don't take their consequences away from them. You know, yep. like the natural yep. consequences when they're young, when the consequence consequences are small still, the, that's their learning experience. And so, so many parents just kind of sweep them up and stop that or start yelling at them for making a mistake. So then the consequence isn't the natural consequence. It's that my mom's yelling at me. So your then your life goes on to just try to appease the authorities instead of like actually look to see what your actions are going to bring you. And I, I feel like that makes a huge difference. And I mean, like our two-year-old today, butt naked in the garden, in the potato patch where you had just harvested a bunch of potatoes, yeah. sitting on the dirt and compost, like digging just living you know and then he's like his he's his butt looks all itchy because it's got a bunch of compost in there so then i'm spraying him down with the hose and like it was just a good time like there's i mean it's just so nice to be in a place where we can be that free you know and we have enough space that we're not you know no one's questioning our parenting abilities as our kids run around naked outside mm -hmm. and you know the eight-year-old doesn't do that anymore that would be weird thank god <laughs> <laughs> it, it might come back mine does that first thing she does when she gets home the pants come off <laughs> so then she just runs around everywhere with with her underwear and her t-shirt on her feet are as 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 black as tar it's <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous and no no amount of scrubbing or showering can get it off and i kind of i kind of look at that as like a badge of honor you know yeah, yeah my kid's out there while your kid's friggin rotting their brain in roblox world right. you know? yeah my kids do that too you know i won't i won't you know say they won't my daughter loves her minecraft she loves getting on the ipad and calling her buddies up and and they talk to each other while they're exploring worlds and stuff like that but we we've never we've never pushed bedtimes we've never held back on swearing we've we've never we've never done a lot of things that so many families do and we've always let our kids know that 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 whatever they do they need to be mindful that that there's you know consequences to their actions. So if they're on you know Roblox talking to their friends too long, guess what? The whole day just went by, and you just missed a whole opportunity to go out there and, and explore and and do some really cool stuff. So um, I kind of lost my train of thought on where I was going with this, but yeah, we we, we don't want to set too many restrictions, hoping that they'll figure out you know where where the limits are, and they'll know that they can't just walk into a you know the grocery store with us and, and and drop something and say oh what the fuck you know yeah but uh you know they hear us say it and they know that you know those are words you use as as, as an adult in this certain context to it and yeah you know, my daughter will try and get away with saying like what the frick and i'll say leah why are you saying frick you know it's the intent of the word that you're using right there was a comedian <laughs> i can't remember who it was that had i think it was george carlin that had his whole shtick on on in, intent of the word words in themselves aren't yeah. aren't bad you know so i'm trying to trying to teach the kids that too so you know whether it's frick or fuck it's you, you well the way you're using it is 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 not right totally. yeah if you say frick yeah. you it's still a pretty nasty <laughs> thing to say to someone yeah, exactly uh, well you want to say fuck but you're not <laughs> yeah it's yeah. um you know it's interesting because as you're as you're saying all that stuff it's like i, I see you applying unschooling to your kids that are in school yeah. and uh, it's, it's similar to, I was thinking as we were talking about the unschooling um, you, you had mentioned um, that uh, with kids going to school, you can't just get home and watch Netflix for six hours straight. You need to, you need to, to work with them. You know, that's very much the same with unschooling too. Um, 
I assume, I don't know too many cases of this, but we were talking to someone on a podcast and they said, Ooh, they're, they're a little put off by, by our term unschool because they had a friend who had been unschooled and now they're in their thirties and they see themselves as a rapper that's still never put out an album and they play video games all the time. Live with their chron- mom, don't have a job. Chronically unemployed. And uh, they see that as a direct result of the unschooling that their friend went through. And they use that term too, the unschooling. And it's like, well, I'm going to venture to guess that any anybody who went through unschooling who came out like that they they didn't their their parents were watching Netflix for six hours straight or, or some some or, equivalent yeah, of that whatever that somewhere. might be um, it's, because it's twenty four seven engagement really yeah. Is. yeah and and it doesn't matter whether they're going to a school a private school a government school uh, uh, a learning co op or or just straight unschool it's it's all about the interactions with the whole family yeah. I I'm I'm certain of that that that's the only it, thing that actually matters at the end of the day. And it's funny too because all of this can can not only be you know applied to to raising children, but also a pet, right? There's got to be engagement there. Just everything that has to do with you know the family structure and living within these you know four walls all together. How about this? It's even for your home itself. If you don't interact with your home that you live in, your house, your land, then it's going to all be overgrown and you know. Paint's going to be peeling, and it's not going to be an appeal. It's not going to be a great place to be. But if yep. you're interactive with your home, if you care about it, if you come home and you watch Netflix all day, your your living situation is going to fall apart. And it's the same with your your family. It's the same. Yeah, you're right. It's any any aspect of life. If you care about it, you interact with it, and it's an always 100%. thing. Yep. And and I'm right with you, man. I, I like a nice manicured mode lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's very yeah. satisfying. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it really is. It's so really hard is. to leave it. <laughs> I take I take the weed whacker, flip it upside down, do the edge up my driveway. And yeah. then once you get into the back, though, it gets a little bit of a little, little bit chaotic. But you know, yeah. otherwise, yeah. When when you pull in, you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing with his lawn. And then see, I got freaking tomato plants like ten feet tall right now because I got oh, these yeah. these great indeterminants that this uh, homesteader up up um, up the road from me in, in the town, a couple towns north of me. She you know she grows her tomatoes and carrots and, and takes all the seeds. And we have these little um, what we call freedom markets here. And um, just she's she was giving away her seeds one day. I took a whole bunch of them, and they all took off like crazy. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome! It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry to, to sidetrack. <laughs> no, that's great. We need to wrangle our tomatoes in a little bit. They're yeah, I planted them a little close this year. They're close together, and then uh, yeah, me too. Didn't uh, put the next rung of rope up, and then they now they're just huge and almost falling yeah, over. They're, they're full, all intermingled with tomatoes. each other and everything. Yeah, yeah. either way, kind of let them go, but. There's still a lot of good, There's good fruit good. in there. So I was in the garden today with the kid and I'm, I'm trying to clean, I'm cleaning it up a little and I see things I want to do, but then I kind of stop myself because, uh, We've actually, Monica Perez is coming to visit us. I heard. <laughs> yeah, she, I guess she was telling people, because I had two people write me, are you guys having a meetup? And she said she just wanted to come and see our space and she's just coming for the day and bringing her son. So it's going to be, and she wants to see, I don't know how the other, how the others live. <laughs> Not uh, she's super time. awesome too. I, just, I got to meet her in Waltham. She came down to Waltham, Massachusetts and, uh, and did a meetup there when she was in town. So what a super lady. You know, yeah, all, that's awesome. That, 
everything she did too for for the spice business was absolutely awesome giving us all those uh ad reads on on propaganda report before she left uh, it was it was amazing she's yeah. she's super awesome so it's, it's great that you guys are having her super excited yeah definitely like a fangirl still even though i've gotten to talk to yeah. her so it's weird but i was like trying to not clean the garden extra because i wanted her to see what it really looks like and explain why it looks like it lo- how it looks you know like i got broccoli going to seed and i've got you know a few other plants that i've let go to seed and i'm like oh it looks ugly because they're all tall and falling over but the bees are on those you know what i mean and it's like it's just the whole thing is living and i, I want that broccoli to to go to seed and i want to see if it comes up next year mm-hmm. you know like there's there's all these there's rhyme and reason to it. it's not it's not a pinterest garden it doesn't look picture perfect it's it's like a living garden like i say a living kitchen yeah a working kitchen does it's not always clean there's stuff happening there no, nothing makes me want to vomit more than a youtube video with the with the cheesy music and the person walking through the garden and oh, it's the perfect clothes, all nice and crisp yeah. and looking yeah. good. It's like, Oh, come on. You know, who, who are you trying to fool? I know. Yeah. So that's it's, that, those homesteader, uh, you know, YouTubers or Instagram people that I'm just like, if that's what homesteading is, then I'm doing something different. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not spending four hours at the salon to get the highlights and, and all yeah. the other, the, the nice clothes and everything else. And, yeah oh yeah it's good though so do you do any um well you've done two of my workshops now have you done anything new that you hadn't done before those workshops nothing new i I haven't had the chance to um to to really get in there it's kind of been full bore um doing spices i burnt out a grinder i had to buy a new grinder so i got this nice industrial strength crazy ass grinder um so yeah that's that's been the focus of, of everything now so like as soon as you know spring kicked in and the announcements for the farmer's market came up it's just been kind of kind of few and far between so i'm hoping to get you know like i have a bunch of strawberries um bunch of blueberries um all frozen so i'm hoping to get into some of that stuff during the winter time sweet yeah and things calm down uh, a little bit i've done fruit kvass with just frozen fruit now and it worked just fine so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it should be fine. Yeah, all the all the stuff that's that's there in, in the fresh vegetables should should roll right over into a frozen vegetable. And I take them, I lay them out on a sheet pan and stick them in the freezer and so they don't you know, get everything. I, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, IQF is what we call it in the industry. So I refer to it as IQF all the time. Everyone looks at me like I have three heads individually, quick frozen. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, yeah. So I got everything everything ready to go. So so I I, I plan on doing that when things slow down a little bit. That's awesome. So hopefully around the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, so there'll be a big build up to the holidays, and I'll end up selling a whole bunch of gift baskets and, and doing a whole bunch of holiday bazaars and stuff like that. And and then after that, from from December to about March or so, when Liberty Forum in, in New Hampshire pops up, it'll be it'll be pretty slow. And then Liberty Forum is kind of like the kickoff to the to the spring season, you know, because that yeah. happens right in the beginning of March. Yeah. yeah, that's a good time to have some quiet too. That 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 time when winter just starts is. Yep. I think everybody and needs here, a little rest. And here in New Hampshire, if if you're not a skier, I mean, there's really not much to do. You know, snowmobile. I don't have snowmobiles. I don't ski. Um, you know, I kind of just you know hang out in the in the winter and kind of plan my attack for when the when the uh, yeah. you know weather starts warming up and the buds start popping out yeah. on the trees. You know, yeah. Yeah, and it's like up uh, here, except it's just mud. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot of rain for like a long time. I mean, snow sometimes, but just cold and rainy. I kind of think we're yeah. meant to go through an almost a hibernation process, like not you know, sleeping the whole time, but, um, you know, it's when we, 
It's when we sit down. It's when we read. It's when we when we when we have time to to get our thoughts and our plans and everything all organized yeah, and, and all ideas and yeah, dreaming. Yeah, that for sure. Well, I wanted to kind of ask you. You started saying something. Um, you were talking about school lunches and how um, mm-hmm. the, the how they have the option of getting these fresh ingredients, but they're not. I'm just curious about that. Is that like? Uh, you know, in New Hampshire, is that all over the place? Is that what's, what, what's up with that? Everything, everything that has to do with schools and school lunches is all federal. So the, the fresh fruits and vegetables program, and then, um, gosh, the other program, I'm drawing a blank on, on the name. So what fresh fruits and vegetables program does is, is it provides fresh fruits and vegetables to the classrooms of the elementary schools. So we'll get a giant stack of blueberries right maybe like maybe like 20 25 flats of blueberries for about five bucks because the taxpayer or the government picks up the bill on the rest of it and then we go in and we cup these up into little like four ounce cups whatever the you know the portion size is and then we distribute them to the classrooms and the kids are eating these you know blueberries strawberries whatever it is that's in season that they're offering um in in the classroom and you know celery sticks we'll do celery sticks and little cups of, of some butter and raisins and there's, there's a whole commodity program um, which is called the brown box program um so you can get tubes of, of ground beef and, and that's all it is is 100 ground beef um in you know 10 pound restaurant tubes 40 pound cases and they end up coming to the schools for about six seven bucks a case the same thing with you know diced chicken meat uh chicken strips and and it's it's actually all really good food but it needs the love it needs the attention that food needs right you you can't just take these frozen cooked chicken strips slack them out throw a little taco seasoning on them and and heat them you know you gotta you know toss them and and put them in the oven and and render them out for a little bit because they're cooked and they're frozen so they retain the water and they get a little you know a little a little bit of moisture built up in them so they get a little rubbery so they need you know further processing my job is to teach the lunch ladies how to do that that further processing it's the other program that that i was talking about with um the the vegetables it's it's the dod fresh program and it's super bizarre that it's under the department of defense some people say it's because they buy all this produce from these these giant farms and they split it between the schools and the military i personally think and this is just me thinking this not anybody i'm affiliated with thinking this I think it's under the Department of Defense because they know people will fucking riot if there's a food shortage. And if these produce companies are holding on to to, to tons of, of produce that they're distributing to the schools and people catch wind of that, you're going to get a bunch of people with freaking tiki torches marching up to the Cisco warehouse trying to break down the door and get that stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, that's just my theory on it. But, yeah, there's there's all these great programs that, that the schools have that the tax money that does get taken out of our paychecks every week ends up going to. and the company I work for, it's our job to make sure that the schools are getting the paperwork done on time and accurately so that they can, you know, take part in these, these programs and get this, get this food delivered at substantial costs. And it's, it's a cost reductions. And it's super sad to see, and you see it a lot in Vermont, a lot in, in areas of New Hampshire, there's a lot of poverty and these parents who are, are sending their kids to school. It's kind of like a place to go. And sometimes these kids, the only meal they're eating is the meal that they get in school for that day. And there's like a whole and 62 hours of hunger program because that's that's the time when the kid leaves for the weekend and goes through Saturday and Sunday and comes back on Monday that that kid hasn't eaten. So there's weekend meals 
um, that schools have the option to to opt into, and parents can come to the to the cafeterias and pick up weekend meals, or on Friday take a big bundle of of food home with them. That you know, it's, a, it's either a prepared meal that, that's prepared in the cafeteria, or it's the raw ingredients uh, to stuff. So yeah, there's 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 a whole bunch of programs that that are out there that that, that help. And unfortunately, there's there's people that really can't you know get through and and figure it out that they do need to take part in these programs yeah now getting those parents to find out about the programs and the schools actually do offer these things that's a whole different story right yeah there's a lot of a lot of play i mean i remember school lunches when i was a kid were like disgruntled lunch ladies with a hairnet and like <laughs> slapping a chicken patty on a tray like in the convection oven like chicken burgers or like, I remember we switched to choices instead of just hot lunch when I was a kid, where you'd get to choose between a few things. And, like, everyone was stoked on the p- baked potato bar. And it was, like, you know, bacos and, like, green onions and sour cream, you know, make your own baked potato kind of a situation. But uh, really, it was trays of nacho cheese and chips or, like, you know, frozen pizzas. Was it, was it all stuff that you had previous before the choices, but now you just, like, had three of the same thing like yeah they like pizza burger or chicken nuggets instead of it just being one thing it was a choice but it was yeah you typically stuff that had already been on the menu yeah um yeah yeah all that food i mean we had those when i was in school we didn't have choices but man that stuff was 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 such low quality crap garbage yeah it was uh, like you you would have preferred the frozen pizza from like a DiGiorno's would have been better uh but uh uh, you know, just like groceries, whatever grocery store frozen food was was better than the stuff that was at the school. It was like it was like, oh, I know I recognize these. You know, this is like corn dogs. These are like what we have at home sometimes, which were just frozen and we heat them in the oven. But they were so much worse at school. Well, I remember specific visual memory waiting for my food and looking through this little window where I could see what they were doing. And they had this huge tray with that was pizza and you'd get a square of pizza. Right. And and, and, and she, she was taking Saran wrap off of this and it was like fused with the cheese. Oh, like she'd bake, like they had baked it with it on, or they had microwave this thing. I I mean, was it a giant microwave? I don't know, but I could just see her peeling this. It might not have been Saran wrap. It might've been uh, like uh, parchment paper, but still it was like not. (laughs) And she was like putting the cheese back patting it back on i mean it just remember going huh that's not how we do it at home right like too little to know and then i have this other really strong memory of getting like chips and nacho cheese and sitting down and a fly landed on my nacho cheese and i watched it like help me like get trapped in the nacho (laughs) cheese and like get sucked in and then i started crying because like it couldn't get out not because i was sad for the fly but because i wanted i was fat kid i wanted to eat that nacho (laughs) cheese and i asked for more and the lady told me to eat around it (laughs) oh no no yeah that's that's should eat around it What's crazy about those? I don't remember ever having nachos. Yeah, but um, it was a wealthier school district that I was in <laughs> in the city. But uh, I, my my folks never thought to send me off for school lunch. They always packed a bag for me for the first like till second grade, third grade. It was some point there was uh, like I remember having like an argument with them at home because I wanted those school lunches so bad because I was one of the only kids that brought a lunch. I I had my brown paper sack every day. And it was, uh, it was like, 
you know, nobody wanted to trade with me, you know, and they'd be eating corn dogs. They'd be eating stuff that we didn't have at home, you know, like I like junk food. Yeah. yeah, It was just, it was, it was junk food. And, um, I remember we settled like, uh, like the first time I could, I got one lunch because back then it was tickets. You had to, you had to go on like a, my, my folks had to come in and purchase tickets. So we got, you know, a, a roll of tickets and I could have one school lunch a week. And there was like a calendar with the, with the, what we'd be eating each day. So I would pick out which, Oh, Ooh, I want corn dogs, but Oh, they're having pizza this day. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of get that frame of mind. Like, you know, you want this junk food or whatever, but then I look at what it was and I'm like, man, that stuff was such garbage. I would have loved a real corn dog or a real slice of pizza, but that sure wasn't what that stuff was. Yeah. I don't know that this, this like a way I'm fusing what I'm making now with like what I used to like. And now I'm like, okay. So I, I, for a long time, I was like, grains are bad, no grains. And then I'm like, oh, sourdough. And I'm researching this and I I eat it and I don't feel bad. So, so I'm making sourdough bread and then all of a sudden sourdough pizza. And now we're making bomb pizza on the barbecue with like sourdough crust and like real ingredients, you know, and it's like, you can still have those things, but they can be made with like care and thought and love and decent food. Yeah, It's just hard to do that in like an industrial setting, you know, where it's just kind of like move things through quickly. So that's really cool to get in there and actually try to work with them to learn how to prepare this real food. Yeah. A lot of times too, these schools don't have the tools that they need to do their job. Right. So they don't have the right, you know, the right equipment, you know, our schools that, that we have, we, we have, outsourced a, a pizza dough but it's a really good high-end product we're, we're using a you know a, a nice low fat uh high moisture mozzarella cheese that, that melts really nice we're making our own pizza sauce from scratch so so there's all these little things and we'll go in and we'll assess the schools and say okay you need this you need this you need this we just signed a five-year contract with with you whatever school district you are you need these things. We're going to buy them and we'll bill it out over the five years so that after the five-year contract is up, regardless of whether you decide to stay with, with our company, you'll keep this equipment so you can you know carry on with, with this sort of you know food, food lunchroom revolution type stuff that we're trying, oh. to, trying to do. Yeah, so there's people like me that are really trying to, trying to focus on this. Uh, another guy, his name is uh, Dan Justy, who was over at uh, Noma. He was the uh, chef de cuisine for Noma for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I guess him and Rene Rizepi had had come to this, uh, I guess, a come to Jesus moment. And they're like, let's go back to America and revolutionize school lunch. He's doing a bang up job throughout um, New London, Connecticut. He's got a few schools in, in um, New York City. And then he just moved into um, Colorado. So he's got a few new school oh, wow. districts in Colorado and they're actually going next level. They're, they're one choice on the menu. It's take it or leave it. But your cornbread is made from scratch. Your, your pizza dough is made from scratch. Your sauce is made from scratch uh, where they're, they're slow roasting, you know, bone in chicken thighs, you know, for the kids. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff within the cost parameters that you have to work with that really work. And, and you got about 50 to 75 cents per kid per plate that are, that are walking through the door. Um, so it's, it's tough to, to manage all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. But there's yeah. so much that can be done if you have a whole chicken, you know, like instead of just getting yep. portions, ingredients or frozen pizza, it's like, if you have the actual ingredients, there's so much that can be done. I mean, think about making a, a roast chicken and then how many meals do we have from it? We eat the roast chicken, then we have, you know, leftover sandwich or something and we have soup, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it can, it's, it's a uh, bone, bone broth is something that should be made in every kitchen that's doing anything 
all the time and you're using it in everything. Cause it's just like an enhancer for flavor and for nutrition. It's like, and that's what kids need all the time. Uh, and you take a, a chicken and you boil those bones down and make that bone broth and you boil it down to the point where it's like a Demi and, and you put it in the fridge and it turns into chicken jello. That it, oh, it's that's amazing. the stuff. Yeah. That yes. Is the that stuff is the sure. stuff. Chicken, chicken jello, beef jello, whatever. <laughs> whatever kind of jello that comes from those animal I, bones. I call it super That's broth. the stuff. Yeah. And I spell it super, S-O-U-P-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't always get it perfect, but, you know, you like m- most of the time now I can get I can get mine to be jelly after it's cold, yep. and that's the best. And, and that's the base for, for anything, any sauces that you're going to make that go on to any kind of any kind of meats. And, yeah, you just throw vegetables, you just freeze it, and, you know, you get to go. Once you start making that, once you start having that in your kitchen at all times, it becomes just a, a most critical ingredient to whatever whatever your heart desires in the kitchen. So I freeze, yep. I, I batch broth and then I freeze it so we have it all the time. And I got these things that I can freeze them in like ice cube trays that are portioned. So they're like one cup or two cups. And so I could just pull what I need um, from the freezer. But I think I want to try, I think I want to try canning broth finally. Yeah. Um, but I'm worried that the high heat and the pressure cooker is going to ruin that, you know, the structure of the collagen and gelatin that it builds up when I'm doing that slow, long broth. We got to try it. So I just have out. to try it to find out like if I, if it gels again, after I pressure cook it, then I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's always freezing too. I mean, it holds up really, really well frozen. Yeah. yeah that's what, that's what we've been doing with these ice cube trays. Yeah. I, I, I try something new, just especially, more. especially, you know, in the apocalypse, so to speak, <laughs> you know, if we, if we ever have long-term uh, uh, power outage, you know, we should be able to confidently take those out of the freezer and can, and those. can them. Yeah. To save it. Well, and also we just need more room because we're looking at making another big batch of sausage uh soon this month hopefully and then i'm like well we have to move stuff again because we just processed 20 of our meat chickens and that's taken up a lot of room we got another half a cow coming in october so i'm i think uh yeah i might have to reevaluate how i do my soups i think we might need to reevaluate our refrigeration system and maybe get something new in here oh maybe that because you know, I right now the re- second refrigerator is t- chock full of fermented vegetables from the garden, and I'm not I'm not complaining. <laughs> this is a really good thing. First world nice. problems. Just get a big walk right? and put it outside. We should just get a big walk in and put it outside. Yeah, we could just get, get a like, big walk in refrigerator. Yeah, I say we turn freezer. that old milk house. We have a little concrete building that I store gasoline and stuff in right now. But I, the whole thing could be turned into a to a fully operating walk in yeah we can hang a hog in there yeah, there you go walk in meat yeah meat processing facility yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah a lot of these old old kitchens uh and hotels and whatnot have refrigerated rooms where they're doing the butchering so that's yeah. so cool yeah, yeah that, that would it, be all it is is just a walk-in yeah. that was my idea at one point when i was trying to get usda certified to to do my own sausage operation i was i wanted to have the whole thing be in a refrigerated room it seemed like the way to go yeah yep no, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, then you don't have to worry about the fat melting and getting soft. But you know, when you're stuffing the sausages and everything, everything stays nice and nice and firm. Well, plus all that equipment works so much better when it's cold too. Yeah, you know, like you everything. Throw, yeah, yeah, I, I always throw grinder parts in the freezer for a little while before I use them. You know, just the colder all that stuff is, the better it's all going to work. Yep. Yep. Same thing can be said too for making doughs and stuff like that. Freeze your mixed bowl and. You know, get it to the right temperature, the right temperature of water, and all. It's all going to work. That's that's science. 
That's yeah. the science that people need to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the science we do here a lot of the time. Yep. As, yeah. as much as our eight-year-old's kind of bored with the mom kitchen stuff, he still walks by and asks me questions. And then we do, I do a, like a homeschool class for other kids on Fridays here. Um, we're taking a break now. I'll start again in September, but they'll learn, kids come and learn sourdough with me or whatever I'm doing. And he, he he can tell them all about it when they're here. So then I'm like, I know he's been listening to me, even though he acts like it's boring. He says, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't like making sourdough. And then, then the other kids come in and he like, yeah, he'll, he'll just kind of out the side of his mouth, just kind of school them on how exactly this process is working. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he doesn't mind eating the sourdough ever. So there's, there's that he's very, he's complimentary about the taste. It's true. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, is there anything you wanted to bring up to chat about before we wrap this up? No, I think we covered a bunch of stuff, and I did have a bunch of things bouncing around in my head. But once that record button gets hit and, and you start talking, you kind of you kind of forget. But I'm sure this is the last time we'll be talking. Yeah, I would love to um, have or, you back on. Each other, this is so. this is yeah. really this was really great. I loved your episode on macroaggressions with Charlie Robinson. You really oh, thank you. Oh, covered yeah, a lot of so ground good, there. Man. It was so good. I was just Dude, like, I was on every word. So nervous. <laughs> so nervous. Uh, first of all, I'm talking to Charlie, right? And right. The guy is freaking brilliant. You know, yeah. he, he knows the stuff inside. And, and he's out a giant. Of. He's a giant amongst us too. You yeah. Know? Like he's he's so big and great. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked when he said, yeah, come on the show and talk about that. I, I think I had just, I, we were going back and forth on, on Twitter about something. It might've been through private messages. And I was like, what if I was to tell you that I could tie lab grown meat into the UN and this culinary Institute of America and the culinary Institute of America has ties to the Jesuits. He goes, come on the show. Let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, I loved it so much. I was like all my favorite things to think about or like all yeah, here right? in one. It's so oh, it's crazy. It and that's, that scares the living shit out of me. The whole lab grown meat thing is, is the, that's where I'm like, once, once they start rolling out that I'm going to say, all right, we're f- fucked with food. Yeah. And yeah. you better, you better learn to to figure out how how to meet farmers and how to barter and and you know keep keep your 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 tribe close and find those people in your community that you can trust and you can rely on because it's it's going to be a a wild ride once they start you know hanging up you know trestles in this big sterile apple store looking laboratory that you know has these giant glottonous meat blobs hanging off of it that they cut and shape to look like a t-bone steak it's so disturbing that's so disturbing it's so gross and and you go to sell sellag.org and it doesn't take you long before you find the links to the world health organization the united nations and then you'd start breaking down all these companies and you find out that you know they're they're working for it's all the same players you know oh yeah i could go on and on about it but you guys you guys know it's all it's all the same players and it's all the same bullshit and it's all the same fucking playbook too you know they create the problem they create the reaction and they create the solution yeah and then once you see if you start seeing that shit coming into your school lunch program through through the state that's that's when it gets real scary. Yeah, we've already taken some pretty good steps against like um, uh, Beyond Meat and, and whatnot. So if lab-grown meat starts making its its head around, I think we'll probably do about the same thing. So we want to keep the vegetarian kids happy because there are a lot of vegetarian kids in high school and whatnot. And I mean, the goal is to make money, right? It's a company. I work for a for-profit company. So we want these kids coming in and eating and we want to give them good food to eat. So we, we've taken kind of a stand where if we put vegetarian options out there, it's not going to be any of these quick, you know, beyond meat products that are loaded with, you know, who knows 
what and soy up the wazoo. You know, we're going to do like roasted cauliflower steaks and, and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. trying and, and it's a slow rolling process and not all of our schools are, are on board with it. A lot of the districts aren't on board with it. And there's a little bit of a cost associated with it. But if we can find those bigger districts that are sort of like the 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 poster poster districts for the mm-hmm. other districts, then hopefully they, they follow suit. And yeah. yeah, I don't think it's anything that's ever going to be, you know, solved and complete in my lifetime where I can sit back and say, wow, look what I did to school lunch. But it's just like anything, man. It's an ongoing fight. It's an ongoing battle. And whenever you push forward, you're going to get pushed back. You just got to keep yeah. pushing forward. Just keep going. Yeah. Right well, on. That sounds, like you, that's, that sounds like it's your calling in a way, you know, just to, to try, try, do what you can, you know, paddle up that up, up against that stream and do what you can. Eventually something's going to stick to the wall. If you keep, keep throwing things at it, you know? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And, and how, and how awesome it is that I'm on a podcast where the, the logo for the podcast contains two drywall anchors. I freaking love it. Uh, are those are those new york strip steaks or or ribeyes at the top of the cow's head well those are i love the uh, those yeah, are yeah, ears. Yeah. They're ears oh, okay. for listening. Oh, here I am thinking they're ribeyes. <laughs> they, they do have. They do kind of have that. It kind of looks maybe like a strip steak, but then like a, yeah. the eye of a ribeye drawn in on it or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome logo. You guys are doing awesome things. I really love it. The whole, the whole. I guess you'd call it an umbrella. Green, greener pastures, right? Yeah, it's just whatever goes into weird, the world as it is today and fermenting things classes. we're doing. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's awesome, and you guys got to keep this up. It's great. Love Thank it. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, super, super glad I finally got to sit down and talk to you. Uh, I love your spices. I love your company. I love every time I've heard you on a podcast. Um, just really happy to still surprised that you wanted to come to my workshops and, uh, very glad to finally talk to you about parenting too. Cause that's, that's something that I thought we would be able to really, uh, get down on. So, um, we would like to have you back again for sure later on and maybe this winter or something and and check in. Yeah. Sounds Uh, good. Yeah. I think there's a lot of potential with conversations with you and you know, our, our love for food, your love for food and not just our love for consuming it, but for, for all aspects of it and both for ourselves and for other people. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, maybe this will turn into a long running series of us, us getting together and talking different types of food. Yeah. If you ever have any ideas or something you want to talk about and you think this would be a good platform, we'd love to have you. Cool. Sounds awesome. Yeah. It's been great chatting with you guys. And, uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, greener postures, you know, rolling out into, into something big and awesome and taking over. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You guys are great. And, uh, it's, Granite states spice uh, spiceblends.com. Yeah, anything else Granite. that you want to promote there at the at the end of the podcast now? It, no, just granite states spiceblends.com takes you to you know the website that has the shop, and I'm starting to put recipes on the website now. Um, it's kind of like a blog recipe kind of duo thing. And I actually put up a salsa roja recipe, and it's a fresh mm-hmm. salsa made with dried chilies. And I threw a link to 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 your YouTube on the fermented stuff because I'm not oh, touching any any oh, teachings cool. of, of fermented stuff. So you've, you've made the website, which is awesome. So hopefully that's great. You know, hopefully people around here are checking out that that you know recipe. Oh, thank and, you. And saying, oh, what can we do with fermentation? Because that's so fermentation is awesome. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And, and we can attest to how great your spices are too because you sent us some and they're they're freaking amazing. Really good stuff. Just thank you. Just, thank you so much. 
just touching and smelling them is is enough. But then once you once you actually incorporate them into food, it's yeah, yeah. It, your your blends are amazing, man. Well, yeah, I done. just put I just put two new ones out. So I guess I'll mention this before I leave. So I teamed up with a farmer out of Concord, New Hampshire, who grows garlic, and that's all he does. He grows one crop garlic, and he roasts it, he dries it, and he chops it, and he makes these things called garlic rocks. But it's like like garlic, garlic rocks, you know, <laughs> and, and they're, they're chunks of garlic. So I made an everything bagel seasoning with it. And he calls his granulated garlic, wicked good garlic. So I call this wicked good bagel. I love um, so it. It's made, it's made with I his garlic. I love we're, everything. We're, we're going to have to check that out. Yeah. Not me, but, but me, uh, <laughs> but also, cause I, when I make sourdough bagels, that's my, that's our and, favorite one to do. And our oh, awesome. son loves everything bagel. Oh yeah. Too, I'll, so. I'll send you guys some, I still have your address. So yeah, look out for it in the mail. It's coming. Oh, so um, cool. and, and then another one I have is kind of like a spud seasoning, a uh, new one that, that came out. This first version of it, I put a little brown sugar in it because it needed something to offset the bitterness of the celery seed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the brown sugar out of it altogether and, and, and kind of rework it with the same ingredients and maybe just cut back the celery seed. So version one has a little brown sugar. Once I sell that batch off, I'm going to, I'm going to rework a version two of it. Cool. And uh, we also do a great coffee rub. I might have sent you the coffee rub. And I, I just got wanna, that and I just haven't tried it yet. Yep. And, and if you don't mind, I just want to give them a shout out. It's porcupine coffee roasters. They're out of uh, Pembroke, New Hampshire. They roast their beans. I, I buy their beans from them to make that coffee rub. They got a great subscription service if, if anyone's looking for, for a coffee subscription. So cool. yeah, they're they're a fantastic, fantastic right little on. outfit. Yeah, yeah small little husband and wife combo. That's important to well, well with we, the tool that the internet is that we use that to support these businesses that are, you know, have our our you know values and goals uh in line. And uh I think that th- your your business is an example of that. Yeah, it's and, it's made the world smaller in that sense that we can get stuff from as far away as you are to season our food here or coffee, you know, from, from all over the place. And that's, that's one of the really, really beautiful things in the internet. We, we talk so much trash on all the technology, <laughs> but, uh, there, there are things, you know, it's like anything, any tool can be used as a weapon right? and the internet is no exception. The internet's a great tool. So just don't let it be a weapon. Right. But the, for a tool, it's, it's great here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when those uh, Lex Luthor like billionaires get their hands on things and you know need to need to figure out how to make themselves you know more money and more power and and yeah, then it becomes becomes an evil thing. It can be a really evil thing yeah. from deplatforming and just completely ruining someone's livelihood to 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 spreading you know false information about about things and suppressing you know other people's thoughts and views and whatnot it's it's a slippery slope with the with the technology but if it's used for good it's it's a good thing yeah yeah well it's like it's like everything i'm i'm you know i'm really not kidding when i say the tool thing it's uh it's something i've said about the internet for a long time that oh it's a it's a great tool when used properly or something to that effect but you know it's really dawned on me recently that like you go out to my shop there's nothing in there that couldn't be used as a weapon, you know, <laughs> like in, in, in a, in a circumstance, if my life was in danger, everywhere I turn, all of these things are weapons, things that you wouldn't think of as a weapon, like really can be, but we don't look at it like that. And the internet, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could take people down with it. You can ruin people's lives with it. That is a weapon. Well, that isn't is it the government be... calls it dual purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, they say cell phones are. 
sole Alana Freeland thing. It's a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like a surveillance tool as well as it can be used for civilian use. Yeah. And so we just keep that in mind. Like it's, while we have the freedom that we have, we make real connections with other real people and like try to maintain those. So even if we do, you know, websites get taken out or whatever, you can't keep your profile up on Instagram. You still have people's email addresses or physical addresses and ways to be in touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to live one, one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix at all times. I believe Bingo. that's it yeah. for sure. Well, thank you again so much, Matt, for, for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Out, Thanks man. for having me. Yeah. It's really exciting. good to find, to finally to talk to email. you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I was excited to get the email and yeah, anytime you guys want to want to chat again, that's great. Yeah. It's great meeting you guys. Sure. 